Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. I grew up in a small town, a rural community called Essex County. Now, Essex County is Canada's southernmost collection of towns, and it's known as the agricultural powerhouse of the province, so they provide the most produce out of all of Ontario. This meant that growing up, most of the food that we ate actually came from our own garden or the fields within our community. And you would know what time of year it was based on what was on your dinner plate that evening. In May, we would start with crisp asparagus. In June, those strawberries would arrive. Blueberry picking always happened in August. And September, there was always warm apple crisp served at our dinners. But July was always really special. Because in July, the tomatoes would be ripe in the fields and they'd be ready for picking. And Essex County is known for their tomatoes because of one reason, and it's this, the Heinz Company. You see, it was founded in Essex County. The Heinz Company is the home of ketchup, and it made Essex County world famous. And so for a few weeks, every summer around July, millions of tomatoes would be picked in our fields, and they'd be loaded into giant trucks like this one. And these giant trucks would roll through our town as they drove the tomatoes from the field to the Heinz factory. Now, what would happen is some of these tomatoes would fall out of the truck as they were driving through town and vehicles would run over those tomatoes and so our roads became stained for a couple weeks every year the color red and our air was drenched with the smell of vine ripened warm summer tomatoes and you know what this is all fitting today because we're continuing in our series titled I am And during the series, we're taking a look at some of the statements that Jesus made as he was writing his very own autobiography. Now, last week, Pastor Jonathan helped us understand what Jesus was saying when he said, I am the light of the world. And today we're going to look at one of Jesus's next statements that he made about himself. And believe it or not, it has a lot to do with produce. Now, before we get into today's teaching, though, I'd love to play a little game together. I'm going to invite you to take a piece of paper out, and you're going to number one to nine, and all you're going to do is answer A or B as we go through this test. Now, another way that you can do this is you can jump onto the One Church TO app. We have an app. It's fantastic. You should have it on your phone. If not, you should download it. You're going to want to head to Weekends then teaching notes, and finally June 4th to 5th, and you're going to find this test there as well. So grab your paper. We're going to go through these things. What I want you to do is I want you to answer honestly the first answer that comes to your head. So the first question is this one, A or B. I know my actions match my words when I tell someone that I love them, or I know my actions often make people wonder if I really love them. You're going to answer A or B. Got it? Next question. I am genuinely happy when others 
get blessed. Or I am secretly jealous when someone that I love succeeds. Would you answer A or B, honestly, the first thing you'd think? Next question. I tend to calm angry people down. Or I tend to add to a chaotic situation. A or B. Next question, I wait for another person to finish speaking before I reply, or I have a tendency of interrupting other people. A or B. Next question, I often find myself doing things for others rather than for myself, or I focus on me because no one else will. Are you A? Or are you B? You do things for others rather than yourself? Or you focus on me because no one else is going to do that? Next question. I will help others even when I know I won't get the credit. Or I want to receive the credit for the things that I do. Next question. I usually do not have to ask God for forgiveness for the same thing over and over. Or... I tend to be a repeat offender and a forgiveness asker. Next question. I make an effort to correct someone gently and not add anger to the situation. Or I think being direct and forward when correcting someone is the best approach. A or B. And finally, I listen before speaking so that I can respond to someone, what someone is really saying, or I say what I think, and I mean what I say, even when I'm angry. Well, I'm gonna invite you to put that paper aside. We are going to get to it in just a moment. But before we do that, today we're going to take a look at a passage in the book of John where Jesus makes a bold statement about himself. You see, when Jesus goes to make this statement to his friends, he's just coming out of a moment where he has promised his disciples that even though he will be departing from them soon, he is actually not going to leave them alone because he has explained to them that he is going to send the Holy Spirit to be with them in his earthly absence. And it's right after that moment that Jesus goes into another discussion with them and he says this. In the passage we're about to read, Jesus is actually building for them on the understanding of who he already is. And he says this to them. He says, I am the true vine. Now, we have some tomato plants here today. A vine or a vine stem is actually the most essential part of the plant. You see, without the vine stem, You can take away the tomatoes, you can take away the branches, you can take away the foliage, and you would still have a plant. You could take away the leaves, they'd be gone, you'd still have a plant. But with the vine stem, if you had that vine stem, you would still have a plant. Because the vine is the only part of the plant that can sustain itself. And the main role of a vine is actually to bring life up to the branches. The vine stem actually carries water and nutrients up to the branches, nourishing them, giving them everything they need to grow so they can eventually bear the fruit of the plant. So the vine is the most integral part of the whole plant. 
And so when Jesus tells his disciples that he was the true vine, this would have been language they were really familiar with. You see, they grew up in a culture where they too grew their own food. And they understood the components of a plant and the importance of a vine. Scripture is full of passages that have God relating to his creation as a gardener. And so as Jesus is talking to them in this language, when he says, I am the true vine, their attention would have been immediately drawn to something. And it would have been to the people of Israel, God's chosen people. You see, in the Old Testament, God had chosen a family, a people group, to be his people. And he named them Israel. And God had walked with Israel throughout history. He had provided for them. He had protected them. And as Pastor Jonathan shared last week, there was a time when the nation of Israel found themselves enslaved in Egypt under Pharaoh's rule. And so they petitioned and they prayed and they asked God to send them a deliverer. And God answered their prayers by raising up a man named Moses who would lead them out of Egypt into a land, the Bible says, that was flowing with everything that they would need to sustain their lives. Psalms 80 verse 8 to 9 describes the season of Israel's history like this. It says, God transplanted a vine, which was Israel, from Egypt. He drove out the nations and he planted it. God cleared the ground for it and that vine took root and it filled the land. And so because of this time in history, a vine has now become a symbol for the people of God, the nation of Israel. In fact, they would place pictures of vines on their money coins. There was a golden, massive golden vine that was put on the New Testament temple, the place that Jesus would have taught in himself. And these vines would represent and remind Israel who they were. And if there ever was a moment where they started to doubt who they were or where they would forget who they were, all they would have to do was look at the symbol of the vine and remember that they were Israel, the vine that God had transplanted from Egypt. They were God's chosen people. But you know what? There was one problem with the vine of Israel. See, God had always been faithful to them. But Israel had not been faithful to God. Each time God rescued them from their struggles, they would thank him and they would worship him. And then they would start to forget. Quickly, they would start to live in disobedience again. And this continued to happen over and over throughout the history of the Israelite people. God would rescue them. They would forget about God. God would rescue them. They would forget about God. In fact, it happened so frequently that years later, God says this about the people of Israel. I was the one who planted you. I chose a vine of the purest stock, the very best. How did you then grow into this corrupt, wild vine? No amount of soap can make you clean. I still see the stain of your guilt. You see, God had asked Israel to be faithful over and over, and over and over, they had failed. They had chosen disobedience over their God. So when Jesus comes and he declares to his friends that I am the true vine, he was actually making a very bold and reprimanding statement to all of Israel. 
When Jesus says, I am the true vine, what he's really saying is Israel is just a fruitless vine, a failing vine, a dying vine. Israel is no longer the true vine. In this moment, Jesus is transitioning the people of God from believing that they belong to God simply because they are a part of Israel to helping them understand that they now belong to God when they are connected to Jesus. I'm gonna say that again. Jesus is transitioning the people of God from believing that they belong to God simply because they are a part of Israel to helping them now understand that they now belong to God when they are connected to Jesus. You see, for so long, Israel had prided themselves on being the people of God. They loved the idea that they were the vine, the most important part of the whole plant. They prided themselves with the fact that they were the chosen ones without feeling any responsibility to bear the fruit or model the obedience that was required of the people of God. You see, they had forgotten that God's original plan when he chose a people group was actually to represent him on the earth so that he could bless the whole earth through that people, through that nation. But Israel had failed at the task because they hadn't modeled God to anyone else. And so Jesus was saying, no longer does the nation of Israel represent God here on the earth. Now I am God on earth. And anyone who is now connected to me will represent God on this earth. And so when Jesus was saying, I am the true vine, what he's actually saying in that moment is I am the true Israel and I will do what the first did not. And you know what, if that statement wasn't bold enough on its own, the next thing that Jesus says, how he explains how we and his people are who we are in relation to him would have been bold on its own. This is what Jesus says to them. Jesus says, you are the branches. You're the branches. Well, branches are very interesting. Uh, branches, they require constant care and tending to. You know what, left on their own, Branches can tend to grow overwild, overgrown. They're dependent on a gardener, and more importantly, they're dependent on the vine. Now, a branch that is not attached to a vine will quickly shrivel up and it will die. It's useless. It's unable to bear fruit on its own. But branches that are connected to a vine can actually produce fruit. But if there is care and pruning that's involved. You see, to properly prune a tomato plant, what you want to do is you want to identify the suckers on the plant. Now, suckers on the plant are actually the things that grow in the V between the main vine stem and the branches. So you want to pull those things out. So a gardener will go in and they will actually pull all the suckers out of a plant. And as you remove these suckers, from the plant, you're stopping the plant from using its energy to just produce more leaves or more foliage because the purpose of the plant is to produce fruit. So the goal of pruning the plant, of pulling those suckers out, is actually to direct all of the plant's energy and water and nutrients towards the production 
of tomatoes. And Jesus talks about this, this pruning process to his disciples as well. He says this, my father is the gardener and God cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, God prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. See, the goal of a Christian's life is to be a follower of Jesus, to put Jesus in the seat of king of my life. And so when we become followers of Jesus, we choose to live under his rulership, meaning that we choose to hand over the keys or the control of our lives to him. And as we give the king the ability to speak into areas of my life that doesn't line up with his kingdom, we're actually submitting our lives to him. The pruning process is actually a daily submission of my life to my king and allowing him to identify areas that he wants to change inside of me to make me more like him. Well, how does that work? Well, God as the gardener actually comes into my life if I let him and he'll take a look at the areas of my life that need attention and like a gardener, he'll begin to work on them. As, as a gardener would prune a plant, God looks at my life and he starts to prune the things. He looks at the way I handle my finances. He looks at how I spend my time, what I'm choosing to allow myself to think about, the things that nobody else knows the gardener knows, what I choose to invest my life in, what I do with the resource that he's given me, the causes that I live for, who I choose to have relationship with. He looks at all these things and if they're not in line with his kingdom, what he does is just like a gardener, he prunes them and he takes them off of me. And as he works on my life, God is looking for any areas that are harming me or that could harm me in the future. He's identifying areas that are stealing my energy and stealing my joy as he begins the process of removing them from my life. And as he prunes those areas, he actually is redirecting my energy towards kingdom things. He's turning me into a branch that can actually bear fruit. You know what? Pruning is not an easy process. It takes patience, love, and time to properly prune a plant. Now, I come from a family of farmers who would never dream of taking a spring or a summer or a fall vacation because of their crops. You see, they spend their early mornings and their late evenings of every day monitoring their fields and being in their fields. Farming requires all of their attention for the majority of a year. It's an incredible time investment to continually monitor and take care of and prune their plants in order to guarantee the highest yield and quality of their fruits. There's an incredible commitment level that comes with crop care. And in this passage, when Jesus identifies that God is the gardener, he is saying that God is incredibly committed to you in the pruning process. He is not going to let things fester. He's not going to ignore the suckers that will steal your energy and your life. If you let him, he will meticulously prune your life day and night so that you will bear the highest yield of fruit for him. But you know what? It's your choice. The pruning process requires that we spend time with the gardener. Now, in the year that our youngest son 
went to full-time school, Skip, my husband, and I noticed that there were a lot of weeds that were showing up in our flower gardens that spring. And it was bizarre because we really had never had any weeds before. In fact, neither of us could ever remember a time that we had actually had to pull weeds. And then all of a sudden that year, there was a dramatic increase in weeds. And every day it seemed that a new weed would sprout up. This was very odd. and <laughs> We couldn't figure it out. And so we tried to talk about what the difference was in that year. We thought about all the possible reasons, like maybe there was a lot more rain that year and it was causing things to grow. Maybe there was a lot more sun, sunny days, and that was causing the weeds to grow. We said maybe a bird or a squirrel was dropping weed seeds in our garden. We racked our brains and we considered if there was anything different from that year than any other year. And there was nothing at all except for the fact that Max had started school that year. But how could that make a difference? Like, was Max taking weeds from school, bringing them home, and planting them in our garden? We couldn't figure it out. And then it dawned on us. See, up until that point, we had always had one or two kids that were home during the days, which meant that we would need childcare on the days that both Skip and I had to go to work. And so my mother-in-law, she would come over in the week to watch our kids as we both went to work. And when we started to connect the dots, we realized that she, being a very avid gardener herself, must have been tending to our gardens while she was at our house. You see, what we thought was nature just giving us beautiful gardens was actually years of nap time spent pulling weeds, pruning bushes, and tending to our plants. You see, there had been a gardener who had spent time with our plants weekly. And the pruning process in our lives is so very similar. Jesus outlines it for us in John 15 verse 5 when he says this, If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, the Greek word here for remain actually means to stay in relationship. See, when we remain in relationship with Jesus, that is how we can bear fruit. Galatians 5 outlines the type of fruit that God wants to produce in our lives. And Galatians 5 says this, Jesus wants to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, at the beginning of this gathering, we took that fun little test. But what you might not have known is that each of those questions was actually connected to one of these fruits that God wants to produce in our lives. That first question that asked, I know my actions match my words when I tell someone, well, it had to do with love. And depending on what your answer was, it reveals, has God developed the ability in my life to show his love to others through my actions? The next question dealt with joy, the fruit of joy. And it answers the question, has God developed the ability in my life to rejoice in any season? The next question dealt with the, the fruit of peace. Has God developed the ability in my life to bring the peace of God with me 
to the situations I walk into. The next one was patience, the fruit of patience. And it answers the question, has God developed the ability in my life to wait? That was a hard one. The next one was kindness. And it answered the question, has God developed the ability in my life to show his kindness to other people? The question after that, it dealt with goodness. Will I help others even when I won't get the credit? And it answers the question, has God developed the ability in my life to be an unignorable force of good? The next question was faithfulness. Do I have to ask for forgiveness from God for the same thing over and over? Am I a repeat forgiveness asker? It answers the question, has God developed the ability in my life to be faithful to what I've decided to set my heart to? The next question was gentleness. Gentleness. Has God developed the ability in my life to approach others with his gentle spirit? Notice I didn't say our gentle spirit, with God's gentle spirit. And finally, the last question was self-control. And it answers the question for us, has God developed the ability in my life to control myself in all situations, even when I'm upset? You know, for each of the fruits that I just outlined, God is the developer of those things. And the more time we spend with God, the more we allow him to prune our lives equals the more of these fruits that we begin to bear on our branch. The truth is that these fruits are the great revealer of our lives. They are an indicator on how connected we are to the vine. They're all inward things that are proven by our outward actions and they reveal what's really going on inside each of us. You see, you and I cannot create goodness on our own. We can't conjure up enough self-control to protect us from lashing out in anger when someone else wrongs us. We cannot on our own produce a Jesus-like gentleness that will draw others to want to know what is different about us and why we respond to difficult situations in a different way with a gentleness that only can come from Jesus. See, it's only by remaining in relationship with Jesus, by abiding with him, remaining connected to the vine, spending time with Jesus, allowing God to be the gardener in our lives, pruning those areas that just don't look like Jesus yet, removing the suckers that are taking up the energy on things that are not from him or for us. It's only when we live with the knowledge that I am a branch and Jesus is the vine that I can begin to allow him to help me yield a great harvest of fruit. Now, I have two other plants here with me today. This first one, right there, this first one is a young plant. You know what, I like to think of this one, this first one, as someone who is a little bit new to faith. Maybe you're joining us and you have only just started to begin following Jesus. Maybe you haven't even made the decision to follow Jesus yet. Maybe you've been thinking today as I've been talking, you know what, I would like to be connected to Jesus. Maybe sometimes 
you felt like this dead branch that I was talking about, really not connected to anyone or anything. And maybe today you felt God speaking to you. Maybe you find yourself in a season where you want and need to be connected to the one who created you, the God who loves you and wants to help you on this journey of life. You know what, the good news is that getting connected to the vine is very simple. See, Jesus made a way for us to have relationship with him by coming to our worlds and he died on the cross for the wrong things that you and I have done. You know what, none of us are perfect people. We have all messed up. And the Bible says that the cost of those mess ups, the cost of the sin that sits in our lives is actually death. But Jesus, because he loved us so much, he chose to come and die in our place. And through his death on the cross, the Bible tells us that our lives can once again be connected to him. And so in just a moment, I am going to pray a very simple prayer. And if you want to take a step towards Jesus today, if you would say, I want to be connected to Jesus, when you're talking about that, Pastor Jessica, about being connected to the vine, I want to be connected to Jesus. I'm going to invite you to pray this very simple prayer along with me. And it goes like this, dear Jesus, thank you that there is a way that I can be connected to you. Thank you for dying on a cross for the wrong things that I chose to do. Jesus, I want to be connected to you and I want to start a relationship with you. I want to grow with you. I'm giving you permission to look at the areas of my life and begin to prune them so that I can become more like you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer with me, I'm so glad that you did. And in just a few moments, we're going to have some really great next steps that you can take that will help you start on that journey of friendship with Jesus. But before we close today, I want to take a moment to talk to those of us who maybe we've been following Jesus for a while now. Now, if you're new to Jesus or you're new to our church, uh, this part is not going to apply to you. I'm going to give you permission right now to just sit back and listen as I have a really honest word with some of us who have been here for a long time. You know, maybe you've been around the church for a few years. Maybe, like me, you've been around the church for more than a few years, maybe a few decades. I wonder today which of these three plants would best represent you. How about this young plant? It's newly sprouted. Its branches have some leaves. There's buds happening. They're on their way. It's very new and it's starting to grow. And then we have this second plant and it's a little bit farther along than my first plant. It's been growing for a bit longer. Its branches have a bit of leaves on them. A few buds, not many fruit. I'm noticing that there's a few suckers in the corner. It's revealing that this plant probably needs to spend time with its gardener. And finally, we have this thriving plant. This plant has been growing for a while. Its branches are strong. Its leaves are there. It has buds on it. It even has some fruit, if you can see that. Some tomatoes are on it. This is a growing, thriving tree. We know that it's been pruned. You watch me do it. It's routinely spent time with its gardener. You know what, over my years of pastoring, I've noticed two interesting things about those of us who have known Jesus for a while. The first is this, we can sometimes fall into the trap 
of looking at people who are at this young stage in a plant life, new to faith in Jesus, beginning to start growing with the vine. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can expect to make them look like this plant when really this is the stage that they should be at. We need to be very careful that we are encouraging and celebrating people who are beginning to grow with the vine. We need to remember our role as the community of faith to encourage them in their faith and also model for them what it looks like to be a healthy branch connected to Jesus. What it looks like to spend our lives knowing who Jesus is. Rather than pretending to be a gardener and attempting to go and prune them ourselves. Friends, you and I need to be so careful to let the gardener do the gardening work. Remember, we are the branches, not the gardener. We're the branches. God's the gardener. The second trap that I find some of us who have been followers of Jesus for a long time can sometimes fall into is that after years spent knowing who Jesus is, spending time with him, Sometimes we can grow content or maybe even a bit complacent to just remain in these first two stages. These first two stages, they have branches. There's some foliage going on. These branches are new though. You know what? If a storm came in, very likely those branches might break off of the vine. There's lots of suckers sitting in the corner, especially this one. It's revealing lack of time spent with the gardener. There's an absence of fruit on these two plants, especially for someone who has been following Jesus for a while. You know, people might barely recognize that there's a difference between us and the world. In fact, maybe because of our lack of fruit and because we've spent so much time knowing who Jesus is, the world might argue that we don't even sound or look like Jesus at all. I wonder if you're really honest with yourself, does your branch look like it should? right now? One of my very first jobs as a young high school student was the role of a tree grapher. Now, tree graphing is a very interesting process. What you do is you take an unattached branch or bud, something that has been apart from a vine, and what you do is you find a live piece on that branch or that bud, and you cut a V out of that, and you pull that part out of it. And then what you do is you go to a healthy, thriving vine or tree, and you cut a big V, deep cut inside of that vine, and you stick that bud and you put it inside of that cut and you wrap it around with fabric. Now, it's very tedious work, but if you do it right, it ensures that the unattached branch will successfully reattach to the vine and it will begin to grow again. You know what, the Bible talks about this process in Romans eleven twenty four. 24. It says this, you by nature were a branch cut from a wild olive tree. And God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you into his cultivated tree. Maybe today you would identify with that. You'd admit that maybe you're a bit dead. You're a bit shriveled up. Maybe you need to spend time with the gardener so that he can draft you back into the vine. Maybe like the Israelites, you're kind of like a wild branch right now. You've been doing things on your own and things are a bit out of control. Maybe you need to spend some time with the gardener. He needs to spend some time pruning you. 
Or maybe you'd admit that after years of following Jesus, you kind of look like those first two plants in those first two stages, rather than the flourishing plant with the fruit that you should look like by now. Maybe you need to spend time with the gardener, and maybe he needs to spend time working on those suckers in your corners, the things that really don't look like him, so that he can direct your energy towards fruit bearing. Or maybe today you might say, you know what, I look like that flourishing plant. I have a strong relationship with Jesus. I spend time with him. He sustains my life. But you know what, if we're honest, there are areas in each of our lives that God still needs to prune. Maybe some of the questions at the beginning that we took, maybe they'd reveal the fruits that God needs to develop in your life. I know that if I were to tell you all of my answers, they would reveal that God needs to develop some fruits in my life as well. You know what, if that's you, if you would say yes to any of those areas that I just covered, I'm gonna pray for you in just a moment. And I'm gonna ask God to come alongside of us to do the work in our lives that only he can do. But just before that, before we pray together, I wanna read to you words of encouragement that come from Jesus himself. And I'm gonna read from John 15, and it's the message translation, and it says this. These are Jesus' words. My dear friends, I am the real vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit. And every branch that is fruit-bearing, he will prune so it will bear even more. Live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear fruit by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I am joined with you, our relationship is organic and the harvest in your life is sure to be abundant. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this challenging word today. God, I thank you that you are the gardener who is at work in our lives. Would you forgive us for the times that we've acted like a gardener ourselves, whether for our own lives or for other people's lives, God? Would you forgive us for the times that we've been content to remain as in the first stages of those plants when you want to develop fruit in our branches, God, where you want to grow us? God, would you begin to work in us? Would you prune us more? Would you look at the areas of our lives that don't line up with your kingdom so that we would start to look like Jesus more to the world around us? Jesus, I thank you that you are the true vine. Help us to remain connected to you, God. Thank you that it's you that can cause us to bear fruit on our branches, God. I can't do that on my own. So would you do that? Would you help us to bear fruit would you help us to grow in love, in joy, peace and patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness? Would you help us, God, grow in self-control so that the world would recognize you through our lives? Thank you, God. In your name, amen.
Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time. Thank you.